welcome back to an all-new installment of the Super Metal Brothers podcast, where it's always boredom after midnight. I am Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. Can you believe it, Dan? In the matter of a week, or maybe we just haven't been paying attention, which is generally the Super Metal Brothers trademark, three massive bands coming to Australia. That's amazing. I mean, this year has been quiet let's say quiet like not heavy and not metal at all kind of like soft and like woody i don't know if that makes sense it doesn't (laughs) but what does make sense is that they're coming to adelaide which is also no hold on wait if we if we actually take around advice no that doesn't make sense either because like um we've talked about before people like in adelaide like myself and friends and family by the very first moment or the very last instant so maybe they're just banking that uh in an hour's like in time before the gig they'll make their bank anyway there's a couple of bands coming down. You have Sepultura with Death Angel. Uh, who else is there? Uh, we've also got uh, Pain coming oh, down. Yeah. We actually reviewed Pain. Did, uh, yes. Pete Tagarin, you know, the guy from Hypocrisy as well, uh, coming down with his, I guess, industrial slash thrashy whatever unit, um, which is and Destruction as well, which is just straight up thrash, which uh, a lot of people in Adelaide will be looking forward to seeing. You know, these guys are big names in the industry, uh, doing massive headwaves. Uh, which is really good. We'll talk about that, obviously, a little bit later on. We're also going to talk about, well, I guess the best guitarist in 2017. There was a little website that has come out and actually talked about uh, who they got like a tally going on. We've got the tally here. We're also going to give you our impressions of who should have been on the tally because we actually have reviewed some pretty fast guitarists this year, Danny. No, very fast, very fast. I guess the album we're reviewing is uh, Ex Sepultura. <laughs> So yeah, there, there we go. Exactly. Cavalier Conspiracy, you know. We're talking the latest album, Psychosis. Did we like it? Is it Return to Form that you boys and girls have been craving from the Cavalier Brothers? Or um, or no? We'll talk about that later on. But first, let's get into the news. Teasing it at a little start, the uh, podcast today with Children of Bodom. They are actually going to hit the studio in spring. And the new album is expected at the end of next year. Now, we do have a couple of albums from Bodom, don't we, Danny? Uh, we do. We have, was it six? No, Death Crew Hate. Was that one? Yeah, yeah. Death, Death Crew, Crew Hate, Hate Roll was Roll, one. And the one with the blue guy on it. Yeah, um, yeah. With Bodom After Midnight, a bunch of those songs yeah. as well. So uh, we're looking forward. We, since then, that we never really got back into it. And they kind of heavied their sound up a bit more as well. So will this be an album we checked out? Well, maybe. Maybe 2018 is going to bring us some Bodom. Yeah, but when they say late 2018, it's always like a outcast. Like, oh, no, production's gone long or blah, blah. So 2019. So that's right. Don't book it in for Christmas present or, yet. Or the production with uh, Dragon Lord, for instance, when it was 2015, where this album was really uh, written or uh, was supposed to be in the studio. And we we're in 2017. They said on Wikipedia that it was going to be the end of this year. Like, why would the internet lie to us, Danny? That just seems like something the internet would never do. Uh, Abraham Lincoln said, don't believe the internet. So I guess he must be true. <laughs> Uh, ex-rotting out vocalist is released from jail after 18 months for drug trafficking kids don't do drugs or at least if you do do them don't get caught should have taken this advice because uh, what's this guy's name um, Delago yeah Delgado Delgado anyway the guy was arrested in March 2016 caught driving in Ohio with 700 pounds of the green stuff yeah, and we're not talking like uh, Jim's mowing here either Danny no, we're not. There was just some oils as well. It's apparently, yeah, you can ship oils. A thousand well. jars of hash oil. 
you know? So uh, he's, he's putting the product to good use, man. Like if Grand Theft Auto sold us anything, that you can make a very good substantial living and live off the grid with uh, lots of weed. If we only waited like now, if you lived in Colorado, it's, it's, it's illegal now. So, you know, that's the problem. When you start businesses at the wrong time, they're doomed to failure. So this poor and apparently he doesn't even smoke the stuff. Yeah, he doesn't even you know? like, he literally regrets saying he doesn't even like weed. But when there's a business to be had and a profit to... Do it. especially like when it's illegal, it's like much harder for people to obtain it. So getting into that industry might have seemed like an elusive and attractive offer. Yeah, but the like, whole prison thing. Yeah, it's like make money out of music. No, make money <laughs> out of drugs. See, yes. So uh, maybe try to legalize it first, and then maybe you can spend more time in bands and less time behind bars. West Texas A&M University launches course into metal lyrics. Uh, we're looking at classic rock right now where the uh, linguistics professor Martin Jacobson sounds Danish. I'm, it's probably, this probably guy's got a, a, uh, you know, a, a point to make and he's probably true in making it. The guy argues that metal lyrics has, have been inspired by the works of history's greatest writers. Um, so he even said, you, you are constantly see the nods and the intellectual tradition of these lyricists come from. Therefore, it's reasonable to conclude that it is a form of literature as well as a form of music. The same way that you might say country music is a species of folklore. Uh, we've, we've talked about some metal lyrics. What about uh, Swimming with the Sharks? Eddie? Where do you think that comes <laughs> from? Well, you see, the classic um, literature known as Jaws was a... It's a massive part of the evolution of the language. And I think the whole dun 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 that's actually um, part of the dictionary now. I mean, this is a good way of him making some serious quid from people that want to study it, but wouldn't they be better just studying old um like renditions of those uh, folklore instead of actually seeing a reinterpretation of it? I mean I do love metal and I do think that lyricists in metal do get it right sometimes. Um but is this where we're at right now? Should we be studying uh, metal lyricists? Uh yes. Because it's, it's just like progression of poets. So these guys are pretty much modern-day poets. So Shakespeare was his poet. You had Dante was another type of poet. So these are just the New Age poets. where they, They're clever enough to summarize you know, history in like three verses. It's, now, it's I, I did see Bruce Dickinson's uh, image, uh, the whole Iron Maiden thing, because I think the whole war thing with uh, uh, Aces High, that's kind of the whole thing with that song. You know, throwing back to that. So, but they have run to the hills about like the whites invading yeah. you know, the Af- Indian Americans. So, what you're saying is that even though maybe the way they do it might not be what they write about, is something that maybe I should be checking out. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, right. like it's it's like you know you, you might not like the sound of a car or jet engine take off. It's annoying, but the, the physics behind it's quite impressive. So, yeah. yeah. Anyway, yeah. yeah. I want to talk about Avengers Sevenfold now because they've uh, touched on something that uh, we've touched on before. The whole uh, are we ever going to get a replacement to Metallica and Iron Maiden? Now, we've talked about this before. Uh, it's probably unlikely that we'll see it at that level. Um, even seeing our people kind of making it that long and keeping in the longevity in, those, in the people's image that long is, I think it'd be even harder as well. However, you know, he, he, just, he went on to go say that uh, even though it seems like the heyday back when MTV and the radio played all the songs all the time, the truth is that they've gotten bigger now because they play all the time, and people know they're going to see a great show. Admittedly, the show that Metallica and Iron Maiden give is impressive. Even Baby Metal, uh, they give a great show. Generally, after that, they Ramstein. I mean, like you get a lot of like semen 
and fireworks getting sprayed in your face, which, I mean, one of those two you'd enjoy, I'd imagine, yeah, at least. Lucky to see it's not flammable. <laughs> That'd be a mess. <laughs> so why do we think that maybe that's the problem? Maybe people need to put more investment into a theatre side. Maybe, maybe metal is getting lost on the whole spectacle, but keeping it in the tone. What do you think, Danny? Yeah, again, you can only afford the spectacle when you become a big band. So yeah. it's one of those, like, standard, like, uh, arguments people have because I only support it once it becomes big like the whole yeah. thing with download and sound waves like oh only when like the best bands come down and it's like really massive then I'll go follow it it's like, no don't do that just support it from the dot but it's hard because again Metallica it's 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 weird the albums haven't been well, great for a long time and they still yeah. dominate you know yeah as far as when Metallica put up a great show I think they have great production with stages but as far as the show goes a lot of people do say to me how and even when I went to see them, I mean, their playing is fine. Their songs that, from the era back in the day is what I like to hear. But apart from that, like you said, like you could almost get a certain other bands replace them on stage with those production values and surely take off. But uh, like you said, just them getting to that plethora is the hardest thing. Yeah, true. But I have a feeling if any band currently could be as big as those two, it'd probably be Avenged Sevenfold because they're on that, that link between like, like rock and hard rock and metal. They're just... In the middle, and that's that's where you need to be to become that big. I mean, I think if Metallica or Maiden had Scream in it, they probably won't be as big as they are. Yeah. But then you have Slipknot, which are quite big. But I have a feeling Avenged Sevenfold is probably the biggest shot of being that big. Yeah, well, if they can just hold on and just keep building more and more fans, it could be. Yeah, you don't know? do any secret releases. That was a dumb idea. Oh. It failed last year. No more secretly releasing your album. Yeah, basically do what Tool do is like tease the album. And even if you never release it, who cares? You're still going to be able to make money off the old ones. People are just going to freak yeah. out about you still. It's like that Eddie Murphy skit when he talks about that cracker. He's just like, you don't eat anything for a while. And you give like a regular cracker. <laughs> oh, this is the best damn cracker ever. <laughs> Uh, the thing, the theme of this week, which I found a lot in the metal media, was the theme of ripping off, or like what I like to call, is being inspired by certain musicians. Music is therefore a language, and having people repeat the same sentences, the same paragraph, or in some cases the whole damn story, um, is what what's up to the debate right now. And the nothing, this all came to light when uh, Machine had released uh, a song that awfully sounds like something that Devin Townsend did right back in the day on the Ghost album. Um, did you hear the song that Devin, uh, sorry, that's a uh, machine head did release Danny, the new one. No, I actually didn't. It's pretty poor journalism, but I didn't. That's okay. I did Good. because it does. The intro is pretty much a very strong comparison to the song love. Mm. It's basically, look, it goes, and then ghost is the, the track Devin did. It was, it's like the same thing, right? It really just is, but at least then from there, it goes off from there and does its own thing. Um, but I actually, you know what? The guys from A Shopping and Lad, Devin Townsend, actually came back and defended Rob Flynn when everyone else was like, dude, like, you know, you can't just yeah. rip off one of the biggest, most prolific metal bands as your own work. Here's our chance to attack Rob Flynn because he's such a good guy. Boo you, Rob Flynn. Well, apparently, you know, this is what uh, Devin Townsend said. He goes, I've used whole things from other albums, movies, and soundtracks, art as a collage of your experiences and taking clippings and reassemble. The best part of the comparison is that for Love, even he admitted that he stole the chorus from City of Love by Yes. So, there yeah. you go. So, next week on the podcast, we'll be uh, talking about Yes's lawsuit against Devin Townsend. Who do you think Yes ripped that chorus off? Or maybe like Beethoven or something? Don't say Cream, you're angry. No, we don't like that stuff. Yeah, Cream, we don't, we don't like metal. Um, this has also been done with uh, another one as well with... Um, 
Uh, what was Kurt Cobain. Yeah, Kurt and, Cobain, yeah, yeah. The, the keyboardist. So the, before yeah. the Marlon Manson, Manson keyboardist, uh, Wayne Gacy. There's no Ys. G-A-C-Y. Gacy? That'd be gay. That's gay. Chris Madonna. Wayne well, there's anything Gacy. wrong with not being gay. It's just that he. I don't know if that's the way you'd say it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, his real name is Stefan Beer. Anyway, so what I even make all that last five minutes of arguing for? Um, yeah, he just basically said the come, come as you are is like plagiarism from the Killing Joke uh, song called '80s, and it does sound very similar to the point of it uses not only the same sort of like phrasing and note selection and that, but the tone as well. So normally, if you got to rip something off, you can kind of like vary it up. But that's the way it's, it is, you know. Um, People but, are really angry about it. This, this Stephen Beer guy, he's yeah. like, oh, I hope Kirk Bain's burning hell because this because he's a thief. I'm like, wow, really? Yeah, that's great. Cheers. It's like you know, it's just taking that idea and running in a different course with it, you know. And that's the thing. Sometimes, like when I've written a song, I've heard a riff from a band, but they'll take it somewhere else, which I would never would have intended. And I, in my mind, go, now I want to like pay homage to that riff that they wrote, but I also want to again give it where I want to take it and do it and tell a different story. So, you know, it could be the prince with a sword trying to f- fight the dragon for the princess, but instead of going directly through, he might want to, you know, buy a ticket for the bus and might want to go through the 507 route and, um, you know, go past his nanas house on the way. I mean, it's the same start, but... Yeah, it's interesting because people always say, oh, you've ripped off that riff or you've copied a riff, etc., or like paid homage to a riff, but they don't say that with lyrics. Yeah. You know, the lyrical content could be like pretty much exact same lyrical content as another thing because history is history. You know, we all have the same textbooks, but no one seems shit about that. Paying homage now to Malcolm Young. Uh, we did do that last week. We had our fans give out a shout out to what their favorite moments of the favorite uh, rhythm guitarist of maybe all time, at least from ACDC, we would say. Uh, members like Slipknot, Korn, Megadeth, and Anthrax actually re- yeah, reacted to this. But nothing can triumph what the Herald Sun did, Danny. They have gone above and beyond to shock and awe fans of the band. And even people who don't know the band can even take up, sit up and take notice of their, uh, I guess, tribute. Yeah, this article shook me all night long, Matt. <laughs> uh, they should be in jail for that and uh, uh, no break. Um, <laughs> no break. The Herald Sun recognized Malcolm Young as the ace of bass. Yeah. Not even unapologetic. They got the wrong instrument, and this is coming from a massive media outlet. This isn't like someone from a blogger's site or a YouTube comment. This is like a multi-million-dollar business. Yeah. Um, if they're getting that wrong, Danny, can we assume that maybe certain celebrities haven't died this year, or <laughs> there is a bank that is holding all our money that's uh, currently doing shit all with it? What what can we get from this? Uh, like I've said before, the only Correct information from a newspaper are the sports results. Yeah, that's it. Everything else you just take as a pinch of salt. Like, oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's like, oh, Libya's in turmoil. Is it really? Or is it just having a disagreement on what kind of cheesecake they want for their birthday? You know, yeah. what, are, what are we dealing with right now? There are a lot of people out in Poland the other day, you know, fighting the government. Or were they just singing the biggest karaoke session ever? Who's to really know, right? But the thing with this whole, like, Malcolm Young situation it's not even that hard to like find out like you said Matt just look at a photograph there's plenty of photographs of him holding a guitar yeah so one the journalist doesn't know what music or two he doesn't know ACDC and for that I really hope someone got fired for this man that's like that's like basically saying that uh, the Pope you know is uh, really an alien from another uh, planet which it might be but then again it's just like sacrilege isn't it but isn't Argentina another planet in the world that is us earth i think it is so we're gonna to have to go on and talk about something else now before we blow our own brains out uh the uh the glorification of criminals now the one <laughs> thing about this uh, whole entire article that got me 
perplexed, is this Charles Manson fellow? Now, from memory of talking to a person who seems to know a lot about Charles Manson, or just could be charismatic, I think that's the whole point of this article, said that he didn't actually kill anyone, but he did get a lot of people to kill people for him, which makes him an incredibly efficient spokesman. I think there was another guy in Germany who did something similar <laughs> to this, and he went on to get a lot of attention, you know, um, and a lot of movies made about him. Yeah, exactly right. It's it's. I remember like what about ten or fifteen years ago, whenever a system of down was like massive, and that guitarist came out then and said, "Oh yeah, how um, Manson was one of his like idols." And yeah. again, like, I'm not sure if you, is you stirring the pot or what your problem is, but he, you like you said, man, he doesn't say, oh, "I don't condone the mass murder," but him as like his thoughts and feelings and stuff, etc. But yeah, but he could yeah. be like a sociopath, man, and he just says things to get you like yeah. feeling good, but he doesn't believe in none of that stuff. Exactly. Darren Malakian from System of a Down, the guitarist, has paid tribute to him. Now, he just, like Daniel just said before, he doesn't like the whole him getting to kill people thing, or maybe he killed people himself, but he likes his, like his, his stories and that around, and his, his actual artist work and stuff as well. Now, I guess the clock can be right two times of a day, Danny, right? But at least the clock doesn't tell you to kill people in your spare time. And it's yeah. one of those demonic clocks that you get from that Simpsons shop, you know, <laughs> that with the, with the poison <laughs> frogate. Uh, and that's our fr- yes, that's right there. That's our Simpsons reference for this week. <laughs> we need to do at least one, or that's else good. we won't uh, be able to keep doing this. Um, or it could be the Clockman from the Batman animated series. There you go. Yeah. yeah. So that's the whole thing. The glorification, like you said, Danny, is that these these sociopaths have a very good way of, like you said, appealing to people's positive side in order to you know put them in that false sense of security before they like butcher them and make. Uh, you know, put you into small little things or something, you know, like put yeah, your body parts like, in different parts of the state, you know? Yeah, if you want to find like a musician which is also like a decent person, could you like Bob Geldof or something? Like he looks after the, the planet and people, like he's into music. He's yeah. a good guy. Well, yeah, exactly. Maybe maybe like find someone that might have similar talking points as him, but maybe isn't a murderer. But then again, we did cover something like this back in the day with black metal and, and saying if your favorite musician would go on and then, you know, do things like burn down a church and do it, would you still have respect for them and still listen to their music? So I guess, are we being hypocrites or are we just kind of like outlanding the greyness of our nature right now? Oh, man, that's a story for another time. Oh, absolutely. So feel free to go on our, our Facebook account and bludgeon us of how bad we are at journalists and we would say we're no worse than Fox News or the Herald Sun or even Guardian. That's right. I'm putting it out there, Danny. Um, falling in reverse, kill fascists with fabulousness in their new music video now i wanted to know what kind of fascists they were talking about because they really are sticking the middle finger up in this uh lyric video in this like kind of punk inspired like f you and all your friends but i guess it was just the middle finger to white nationalists and not the black nationalists like your black lives matter antifa and the guardian well, all it was at the start of the song they have like a swastika with all these like um like non-smoking like red rings across for it yeah and then that's it. That was like the, and the rest of the film clip was just there. Wasn't there a Nazi symbol that had something through it as yeah, well? That, that one. Oh, I mean, yeah. Isn't that what I said? I don't uh, know. Did I, I think you said smoking. No, swastika. Yeah, oh. swastika, but that little, um, you know, the red non-smoking, like, emblem over the swastika. Oh, yeah. And that was it. It's like, and that, that's it. That's no fashion. This is a, yeah, I think it's a nothing story, man. <laughs> yeah, it was, Daniel. Thank you for, I, I put my heart and soul into this uh, whole podcast thing. You're just shutting it down in two yeah. seconds. Thank you for that. That nah, means a lot. Sammy Hagar, I want to be the oldest living rock star on the planet one day. He'll need to kill a few members, one in particular, Ozzy Osbourne, who is going through that whole immortality thing. I don't know how he's managed to keep alive. I don't know how he's done. I I have read stories that the guy's done more cocaine than there is in 
uh, any South American country, and the guy's still living. He's he's drunk the guy's pee from Motley Crue. He snorted <laughs> ants. Um, there there is there is something happening. I think there's more than one Ozzy Osbourne. I think the the one Ozzy Osbourne, the original one, died, but the clones of him then just get taken out of cryogenic sleep or whatever, just to keep it preserved, so that Sammy Hagar will be sad that he can't live forever. Maybe like Ozzy Osbourne is like the first robot, and he actually lives off alcohol, like Bender from Futurama, and that's what keeps him going. Him being alcoholic is actually what keeps him alive. Yeah. I yeah. think so too. Nah, yeah. but I, but I also want to think because, like he was saying, there are a lot of old guys that are tumbling over, like the whole thing with David Bowie as well and that kind of stuff. But what's more interesting is that remember that the Michael Hutchinson's argument that we're doing on Channel Seven here in Australia that he was apparently the last rock star, Danny. Did you know that? Yeah, apparently, apparently, yeah. Since the nineties, we've had no rock stars. Well, apparently, Sammy Hagar is out of the loop because Michael Hutchinson's died. He was the last rock star, and he wasn't even that old, but he was old enough to be a rock star. Well, you see, you see, what well, this this is the media. We should even know that Malcolm Young is a guitar player, of Australia's most successful band ever. So yeah, don't worry about the media. Yeah, just worry about what we have to say with our ten minutes of journalism. Uh, you know, studying hey, every time. That's ten minutes more than them, apparently. Oh, absolutely. At least we know that I'm a guitarist, Malcolm Young's a guitarist, and Danny's a guitarist, and two of those stories are true. <laughs> Me and Malcolm Young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd agree with that too. <laughs> I suffer from depression. Oh. <laughs> Actually, this is a good story. Heavy metal merchants, Matt. Ooh. Yeah, let's finish it up with a, with, a, with a nice light story for the end of the night. Um, heavy metal merchants, uh, the music merchandise store all the way in the lounge room from Balga is actually making, on a good day, $1,500 selling black t-shirts. Holy crap, Danny. Why did we not get into prost- out of prostitution? Because we obviously got out of our actual original jobs and get into selling t-shirts. That's amazing, isn't it? I honestly thought there wasn't a market for it. But these guys based in Perth, Heavy Metal Merchants, which is their online, I think I bought a couple of things from them. They've apparently moved $3 million worth of stock since they've started. Man. So good on them. And they're still doing it from their house or something like that. Now they've moved from their lounge room to their shed. But I mean, that, that just stays on overheads, I'd imagine. Him and his <laughs> wife right now would be rolling in money, black t-shirts, and cocaine. Damn. So with Christmas coming, get on that. And these guys think are definitely our metalheads of the week. Oh, absolutely. You know, they're keeping guys like us afloat. Well, not me personally, because we haven't sold any t-shirts yet. But if you would like a t-shirt, let us know. Then we'll go to these guys that Heavy Metal Purchase is going to make. And we'll make them $3 million and $20. <laughs> wow, we're going to sell one? Wow. <laughs> oh, mom, mom will definitely buy one because we'll, we'll look at her and she'll feel so sorry for us because we've been that disappointment for the last 33 years, Danny. <laughs> I, I lost count after all my drinking in my birthdays. But I think after all that and after all the celebration, we need to talk about something that I really want to talk about. So let's head over to our podcast question this week. Music Radar begs the question, who is the best guitarist of 2017? Danny, we need to set up some parameters because we do have their whole entire list here. And don't worry, I will be stealing it because that's what musicians do. Just ask Rob Flynn. He's pretty good at stealing things and he's made a lot of money from it. Sorry, inspired by it. There we go. No one could be angry at me. What do we think we should say? This year obviously has to be released. So the guitarists in this list have to have released something for us to consider them as guitarists of this year. That's exactly. the best. Yeah, exactly right. Just like the um, Loudwire Awards or the uh, Heavy Metal Metal Hammer Awards. Yeah. You, you just can't say it like, unless you're doing Lifetime Achievement Awards, fair enough. But you just can't have best guitarists because this is the first year you've done these awards and you want to thank, you know, rub your favorite metal ass like balls or some shit. Yeah. No, this is, 
this year. Otherwise, I was wondering if we go all the way back to like BB King or someone because he kind of was one of the first creators of that blues theme. And blah, blah. Exactly. So and a right. guitarist is more than just someone who does play rhythm guitar. I know that certain golden gods want to give certain attractive females uh, awards for shredding, even though I don't think I've ever seen them play a pentatonic scale. Maybe they have, maybe they haven't. But this is our list. And our list is going to have a bit of being a strong songwriter, being able to showcase technicality, accuracy and uh, a fine art for your passion of your acts so Danny we're going to start from the very top and talk about some of these guitarists yeah and the weird thing about this list this is from uh, Team Rock so quite a big publication they've decided to actually not do individual guitarists but the band yeah it's weird because it says best guitarist like without a plural but then you go ahead and you see the list and it's like they'll have dual guitarists from the same band and at some points three guitarists you know so we'll get into that in a sec I guess yeah sounds right yeah all right, from the top of the one, we're going to talk about Rebel Myers and Eric Boulder Rose from Code Orange. We actually reviewed this album, Danny. These guys here, are they the best guitarists of 2017? No, I'm going to say no. Yeah, I'm going to say no as well. I don't think they've played much else. I mean, they do do some interesting things that I haven't heard before, but overall, the album was, like we said before, a bit of a jarring one and uh, some very interesting metalcore stuff, but not really the showcase of brilliant talent as well. James Hetfield and Kurt Hammett from Metallica. Danny, the biggest metal band probably going on or may, that maybe ever will. What are we going to say? Nah. Again, I mean, again, if you go back to like the 80s when they're like being a bit more, you can't even say revolutionary because I've heard rumors that they kind of ripped off a lot from like bands before like Creator and I think there's another band. Well, so, I think yeah. the biggest problem is right now, um, one thing, they really are a combination. James Hetfield and, and Kurt Hammett do two different things. And James Hetfield is really much like the Malcolm Young. He is the rhythm guitarist of the band. And Jan- Kurt Hammett now has lost some of that ability that he once had. And a lot of people have complained or said to me how he's forgetting to play the, the solos that are true to what they were at the time. His technique's still there, but... You know, he doesn't pay homage to his own material as much anymore. So I'm going to say no to that too. Yep, for recreation of your own material, that, that's important as well, even though you've got the technique to back you up. Mick Thompson and Jim Reap from Slipknot. These guys can play though. Yeah, yeah fair enough. I mean, I guess they're not, for mine, they're the most technically like superior guitarist. But, but Mick Thompson can solo and shred though. But he, oh, can, okay. he can be do it. But again, falls a little short for me. But I would actually contend it, although I'm not sure if they released anything this year. No, nah, I think Stone Sour did, so no for them. Yeah, no for yeah, them. Yeah, uh, next year. Lee Malia from Bring Me the Horizon. I have no idea, maybe. Yeah. yeah okay. uh, Dave Murray, Adrian Smith, and Janet Gers, Iron Maiden. Yeah, these guys can all solo. Yeah, these guys can all play. Um, but can we not give it to Iron Maiden? Like, they don't need the award. Yeah, again, they're not the most, like, revolutionary guitarists in the last, like, 15 years. So That's right. They're not really setting new bars and new heights. So, exactly, yeah. you know, they, but they are strong at what they do. I just don't want to give it to these guys. And then next with Corey Biolo and Matt Heath from Trivium. Again, these both guys can both solo play, play songs and stuff, but they don't need the award. And they probably, to be honest, their new album that's come out now, might. we haven't had a chance to really dig it, so we have to really hold off for giving them an award as well. Yeah, yeah fair play. I mean, you, you really can't say the part that I don't want to give them the award because that's... that's I know it's trivial and you're right and it's as petty and it's as lame as everyone that would be yelling at me saying, well, if they're entitled to the wall and they've earned half, they deserve it. And I would say to that, you're probably right. But then again, it is our award because I think we have our own (laughs) biases that we need to get across. Uh, Tony Omi from Black Sabbath. Uh, Look, the guy's a legend. 
Uh, I wouldn't say best guitarist, but I would definitely give him the Lifetime Achievement Award. Um, just for him being with Ozzy Osbourne for that long would be yeah. enough to do it. I'm yep. sorry about that whole Leader Ford thing. Apparently, you didn't like something on her face. So you tried to swat it. <laughs> and you went, got a little too aggressive with it. But there's all that cocaine that you and her used to snort, apparently. Apparently, you guys went through it more than uh, paint for a house. So, yeah. for that, I would say, um, get help, sir. Uh, I think he's... But he's already got help. Oh, yeah. yeah well, congratulations on getting help and overcoming that addiction of that. Ernie C from Body Count. Uh, maybe. Yeah, I can have a much body count. Yeah. Uh, Matt Helam and Chris Garza from Suicide Silence. Well, that's a big fat no there, <laughs> Not Danny. this year. Not no. this year, no. That, that album was less about a guitar and more about an abortion that happened on using guitar strings. That was a, that was a piece of crap. Oh, yeah. That's just terrible. Yeah, that was terrible. terrible. Uh, if you want to hear our thoughts about that more, go check out our review of it or wait to the end of the year when we really get, get into it. Uh, Brett Hines and Bill Kelly from Mastodon. A strong release. Uh, good little bit of work from the guys. But they're, abort- they're, they're wanting to pull away from metal, makes them out of metal. They're not a metal guitarist anymore, as, from my, as far as I'm concerned. That's true. This was best guitarist, Matt, so it doesn't have to be metal. But oh, same- right. Yeah. Oh, but like, isn't that one the same thing, isn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly right. Because rock guys don't really shred and don't really yeah. like dominate the guitar. Apart from if you're Keith Urban, that guy can freaking shred. And he plays country and he bangs really hot women. Uh, Nicole Kidman, really hot. Mm. Oh, yeah, oh, that's true. Maybe I need some glasses. <laughs> <laughs> Hernan Lee and Sam Tootman from Dragon Force. Well, naturally, these guys are really, really good guitarists now. Well, I say now because the whole Dragon Force or the Dragon shoot, yeah, the Studio, Studio Force, Force yeah. when they first came out, they couldn't even play their own material. That's, that's all right, I understand. Um, not really, but I do understand <laughs> that they can play. Yeah, and However, now, I haven't heard their latest album. I haven't either. I have a feeling it's going to sound like the rest. Just yeah. If you want something that sounds like uh, what an Atari 2600 would have sounded like, then I think you should listen to the band. But like you said, yeah. I did listen to a couple of albums back to back and like I didn't really notice enough for me to be like, ah, uh, not my thing. But yeah. if they got given it, I wouldn't be like offended, you know? Yeah. Would, you know? Yeah. Um, we're going to skip over this one. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we'll come back to it. Don't worry. Kurt Valio from Converge. Um, I think Converge... No, I'm not sure about them. I'm going to have to go away from it with Brendan Small as well. So we haven't got a couple of maybes in here because I'll have to check them out. Andres Nisram from Catatonia. Oh, look, from what I've heard of Catatonia, they're not exactly setting uh, trends in um, technicality, but they are good at writing a very sad, slow, depressing song that would make you consider your whole life choices and your podcast as well. So, Danny, we're going to have to move on to the very last one on the list, and that would be Michael Amlin and Jeff Loomis. Now, wow. I mean, one of the guitarists is obviously amazing, transcending, and does so much for the industry, and the other one is holding him back from doing all these things. Uh, <laughs> burn. You got in before I could say, was that like Michael Amlin? Was that right? Yeah. Um, and this is the problem with the list, is that they really have two guitarists in each one, and as much as I want to give it to one guitarist, like with Metallica having... One who's definitely a, a rhythm guitarist and the other one a superb soloist, you know, who could also do that job of writing as well. So it's kind of like that list, which is kind of like I said, for Team Rock to have two guitarists all the time from the band to represent it, I think is doing this list a disservice. Yeah, exactly. And the problem as well is that you normally have like one main songwriter who probably writes all the songs and the solos. So to give other guys credit for the band, like especially Iron Maiden, that Janik, uh, Gears, whatever his name is, I'm pretty confident he won't be writing much of anything. So mm. to have him on stage, he's just playing other guys' solos. Now, the thing is, we also want to give mention to one of our other people who did want to give a comment on that. So what was that one, Danny? Yeah, that's uh, Jamie Jackson, who thinks Chris Broderick. Yep, we've Act also got... Yeah, Chris, yeah, and this is the thing. 
put Chris Broderick on the list with Act of Defiance because they released an album this year and those guitar solos, wowie, very nice. Um, Cannibal Corpse with Pat O'Brien and Rob Barrett and also Archfire with um, Dean Lamb and Toby Morelli. One plays an eight string, one plays a seven string. But after hearing it, you want to be playing no strings because it's very depressing. The Archfire? Oh, yeah, they're playing so magnificent oh, that after hearing it, you, you don't want to play any strings because you're a guitarist and you'll be like, why did I even practice today? Now, the thing is, obviously, that people want me to say Jeff Loomis, and I want to say Jeff Loomis, but the contribution to heavy metal this year in 2017 has been minimal because one thing, he's been an arch enemy, and the release that he did on it played about maybe five solos, kick ass as they are, and they are, they are the highlight of the album. He had no contribution in the songwriting. And for me, being the best guitarist is also doing that as well. So I'm going to have to put him off the list, Danny. Yeah, that's fair enough. And if it comes with you have to have a vote for two of them, Michael Amott then just pushes it right back because he stopped Jeff Limbers from writing lifts. And Ooh. the riffs on the album, like we've said, are very decent Arch Enemy riffs, some really good songs, and you know some other ones. So it's a bit tricky. From the list they're giving you, Danny, who would you pick, though? It is a tricky one, isn't it? Because, again, most of the people... It's like you're going from the past, so yeah. I, I can't give someone an award just because you like them and they should be given an yeah. award. So it's tricky. Like I said, the um, it doesn't really, nothing really stands out until you probably, you know, none of these people really stand out. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I would like to think that if it came to guitarist, one thing I would actually want to give is Chris Broderick because he is so great at guitar and like... The solos he did on that album are fantastic. And even some of the riffs were pretty cool. Generally, I didn't love the songs per se, but his contribution is just amazing. And he just kind of shows how many ideas you can put into a song. Uh, but I, I think for me, I think Archfire, I think, do deserve some recognition. They're an upcoming artist. They're pushing the boundaries. Their latest album was very cool, um, but there was so much going on. There's so much technicality, but also so much life that they brought forth and maturity as well. So I would actually give it to Archfire, and I think they really deserve uh, Guitarist of the Year, even though the question says best guitarist. Yeah, I agree. You're right, for those reasons, one, these guys are, are very technical, very gifted, very... They play a lot of different styles, elements yeah. in the songs, but you're right, they're actually trying to create a new sound, a kind yeah. of a new style, sort of, or tr- trying to combine elements of other styles into one. Agreed. And they've done a couple of albums, which means they're not one-trick ponies either. This yeah. is like the third album, so they're, they're giving it a go. Yeah, so let's uh, let's give a shout-out. And both, like I said, because both of them as well are very, very good at it, and the accuracy is phenomenal. So let's uh, give a shout-out to Archfire. We'll tag you in the awards. Congratulations being Best Guitarist of 2017. I know it's not over, but... Uh, you know, we've got timelines to give and we've got an album of the year that and it comes into the, the year, which I think will just yeah. kind of showcase just the Super Metal Brothers uh, awe and admiration we have for ourselves and our own picks. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't like it, then the hell with you. <laughs> Let's go to our CBD review this week. The band Cavalier Conspiracy, the album Psychosis, released in 2017. We are looking at the brotherhood of Max and Igor Cavalier. Danny, those names are iconic in metal for one reason. At least maybe it might be two after today's episode, but Sepultura, back from 1984 to 2006 with Igor, but I think it was 1996, yeah, with Max. So they set up, helped set up the band that would be known for their, um, I guess, their contributions to thrash metal, to new metal as well, to groove metal, um, then also alternative, world music, you know, even punk. These guys are attributed to a certain sound and, and actually made, you know, massive waves with it. 
household name, Sepultura, along the lines of Pantera, Metallica, wouldn't you say? Yeah, definitely right. The guys from Brazil really have made our Brazil made to the world stage. Mm-hmm. It's the fact that they were actually making like video hits and like it was a Channel V, actually people yep. became recognizable and people actually knew Sepultura. Even albums like Chaos AD and particularly Roots, I mean, this would transcend even past metal. People just know who this band is and uh, so it became iconic, you know. Obviously, then we would, after the Roots album, I think they would see the departure of Max and then eventually Igor in 2006. A lot of people would like wanted to hear the return of these boys at their finest, the two brothers getting together and releasing some awesome metal like they did back in the day, like a throwback. Now, they couldn't get that from Sepultura anymore because since then, since the last 21 years, uh, they've obviously seen their sound change and we reviewed the latest album. Though it isn't bad at all, it is definitely different to where they came from and what's uh, made, maybe not made them special, but made them different. Well, yeah, but we like saying, you're taking all the elements out of Sepultura. There's no original members in yeah. that band. Are they still Sepultura? And apparently a lot of people with this album were getting excited because they think this sounds like old school Sepultura. Yeah. So the question is, should they swap band names? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a good question too. And more importantly, uh, do we think it's good? Because like, we are the most important in our own lives, people in our own lives. But we actually got this question asked from a fan. So we have to give a fan shout out today, Danny. Yep, uh, Brayden uh, Bunders, he's known as my friends, uh, asked us to do we, the... We just know him as Brayden. Oh. <laughs> We're not cool enough. Oh, sad, sad face. <laughs> yeah, he actually said, oh, you guys need to check out this album and review it because he has a feeling that, well, he kind of reckons it sounds like the old uh, Sepultura, which he loved yeah. from a childhood. So we'll give a quick uh, readout of the Cavalier Brothers, though, as a uh, straight up from their Facebook account, so you guys know what we're talking about. These brothers are uh, basically... I've been de- down from determination and stubbornness, as they call them. And since the 90s, obviously, with Sepultura, they brought up a lot of, you know, the name to the front. Um, they had an album called Pandemonium, which apparently wasn't too bad. I have no idea. But right now, more rigorous, more intensity, more aggression. Let's talk about the latest album, Psychosis, Danny. From the bat, this album goes straight off, doesn't take any apologies. These guys are a metal band. They want you to know that. And with a thrash number like Insane, it gives you good hope for this album, really, doesn't it, Danny? Yeah, definitely right. It's definitely fast and thrashing, just kicks you right in the face to start with and it keeps going. But then, of course, they've, they've liked to do break it up. It's not just like yep. deathy thrash all the way through. You've got the chorus and stuff, tries to bring in some groove riffs that you slows it down and helps you have a bit of breathing in it, which is Always a always a plus. Yeah, you get you get a straight um, up. This is gonna have albums gonna have a lot of power chords. Gonna have a lot of toughness. It's gonna have those Slayer ref- references. Uh, at least if anything sounds like Slayer, you know it's gonna be evil as shit. But it's got yeah, like you said, the, the song's got great energy and it's very much like your lyra. And as a metalhead, I think it doesn't matter where part of metal you come from, you're gonna naturally headbang. It just there's a strong sense of rhythm straight off the album, I think, and that's the one thing I've noticed straight off the bat is that even though it's the track is kind of simple in design. It's engaging. Yeah, definitely. I think they like the song is called "Insane," and when it gets to the um, chorus, it actually has that feeling of it being like insanity. Like yeah, the yeah. instrumental, I guess, in the writing and composing actually goes well with the uh, title of the track. So you actually feel that intensity or chaos when you listen to it. Yeah, and again, this kind of formation of the song would happen again in Terror Attacks. Where at first I thought it was the same track at the very start, but they devolve pretty fast. Oh, sorry, or you could say even evolve. And you really get a strong presence that these guys are working towards something. You know, the song is themselves now straight away from the first and second track, build up really nice, hits in the middle, some of those even better riffs come through the mix and it's a good build up, you know. 
Pacing's great the whole way song, and when they change it up, it's never too jarring in this track either as well. Um, the vocal, now you're starting to hear the vocal lines kind of experiment with some hallway kind of things where it's more echoey and um, there's different changes in that aggression as well. It's a, it's a cool track. Again, it's much more the same with that intensity. It's frenetic, it's good energy, but also like you're getting a headbang to it as well. It's not just tiring and boring like a rehash throwback to thrash. It's actually got something about it as well that gives it some depth, Danny. Yeah, true. And this kind of continues on to track two, which is Terror Tactics. Oh, that's what I was talking about. So are we talking about it already? Yeah, oh, I just shit. jumped into it. Yeah. You? <laughs> I'm sorry, I kind of turned off. You're right though. But the interesting thing about this track, it does that whole thrashy death thing. But in the middle, it has like a bit of a on a strip back type section, etc. Yeah. or slow groove. But then the, the last half of the song kind of continues with that slow groove. So yeah. it's, it's very different. It's almost like they could have done two songs there, but they decided to keep it as one. Even though they're very different ones, fast, yeah. fresh, and slow and groovy. This isn't the first time they do it in, this, in the album as well. Later on, they would repeat that kind of feel where it seems like they could get away with two songs, but I think they're just slamming all their awesome ideas together. We go into empowerment execution for track three. And again, the song at the start is very simple, you know. It's got those very easy to get grooves. Goes into some simple uh, riffage as well, like nice chromatic kind of stuff. Very simple, very engaging. Again, the drum does well to help kind of flesh out these very simple ideas and give it more kind of depth and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of got the song's got to feel like it's got like the blend between the Slayer, Machine Head kind of like groove metal of America with like Fear Factory as well you know all those kind of like tropes that those bands brought up but I don't know the combination together seems to work well yeah and it's good as well like again at least this song is more about the groove riff yeah. rather than the thrash riff where we already had that twice to start with so then it's good for them to change it up and make the thrash part in the middle the different yeah and again some different kind of vocal lines more the Hellraiser kind of echo as well so it's at least uh, Maxi I think it is is really bringing some cool ideas to the front with his vocal lines and I do think he does well to help embellish those guitar lines with his intensity of his vocals moving into track four now and uh, it sounds, sounds like no. You can tell now the band's now gone even darker and heavier. Sounds sounds like a de- like a like a death metal treat, you know, real heavy. But it works still. I, I think it's uh, I think it's a real crowd pleaser. This one here. Yeah, and I think we this is where we also start hearing more of the effects. Where like a lot of the songs are ending with unique like effects. Yeah. And so track three starts with it, where it ends with I, I'm calling it the Twin Peaks effect. Where yeah. It has that like backwards kind of record playing sound effect and that continues on to like track four which then it goes into the song and from i think from now yeah. on all the songs seem to have like a u- unique ending or as some would say they're not really sure how they want to end the song yeah <laughs> that's exactly right and that's what i found like the transitions between songs are awesome but the build-up and the execution to the actual end is a bit weird like i would imagine live Hearing these songs together play together are awesome because like they said, Danny, it all comes together really well. And I think that's a great thing about actual albums is when the artist is trying to tie together it all together as one piece of solid music, not just give you a greatest hits or just be self-indulgent and write tracks that they want to write and then present it to the fans. And if you don't like it, well, whatever. I don't really like that philosophy when it comes to songwriting. I want the the artist to actually conceptualize an album and how you're going to bring all these elements together to tell a story or at least to give it a self-contained piece of music. so And I think so far, like you are saying, these guys are consciously trying to bring all these ideas together and keep a tone for the album. But like, yeah, the endings are just a bit strange. It's kind of like, duh. And it's like, uh. Yeah. But, you know, all that hard work you did to boot up a great song, like the first four tracks, and it's just a bit like, duh. Uh, mm. uh. 
<laughs> Still yeah. like, yay! Like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it was sudden, but it was nice, you know? Um, but yeah, this, I like this track. This is one of my favourite tracks off the album. Um, yeah, because they got that, that dichotomy between like groove and then staccato, I think. Yeah. So you have that slow down and, fast. And it's got, fast. That, it's got the whole punk middle part, which is awesome because it's like a heavy song, it's groovy, then it's heavy, and then it's punky. But then when it goes even heavier again afterwards, it's cool transitions, man. It's interesting to listen to that. You're throwing different punches. You're, you're not coming at it, whatever. But it's not out of place. You know, it, it's the tone is right. And um, I really respect that. It's showing these guys got their inspiration on their sleeves and they're not afraid to take a gamble with a riff that wouldn't generally work there, but they've made it happen. You know, a little bit like adding lettuce to a chocolate mousse. <laughs> I don't know if that would work, but if it does, someone tell me. I'm not getting enough to try it. <laughs> wow. Gross. You really are hungry, aren't you? <laughs> what about what about your favorite quote from your favorite Conan movie, Danny? Track five. We're talking Crom here. Yeah, literally like Crom. Same spelling as Konica Barbarian, which I have to th- make me think that it is inspired and is dedicated to such an iconic movie. And if you don't like this song, and if you don't like this movie, then the hell with you. <laughs> <laughs> Much like Daniel's bad Arnold Schwarzenegger accent, it uh, really comes with some big fiery muscles and a big sword through it. Uh, it's got some, I like the song because it's got some atmosphere and stuff as well. But again, it's just a nice tough song, you know. Yeah. It feels like these so far, these five tracks are really together in its self-contained universe. And it's so simple and engaging, these riffs, man. Like, they're just... They're just cool, you know? Like, you're just headbanging. You can't stop yourself. Like, we're all listening together, then you're an hour ago, and, like, we're just, like, doing it automatically. And I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah. That's exactly what you need to do as an artist is kind of, like, get, get the person entertained, you know? Yeah. And these songs are damn entertaining. Yeah, well, the, the clever thing about this song is that it starts off with, like, the industrial sound effects, which kind of like that, you know, it sounds like people hitting swords or, like, sharpening yeah. swords. So they're trying to go with the theme, and even, like, they um, try to do... This one part is oh here at the end they have this whole like spoken word section which I have a feeling is like a quote from the movie I just yeah. I can't hear that clearly but I have a feeling they just ripped the song I know I can't remember much from the movie apart from the whole black guy that does CNN reports being into a snake um, and him having sex with some real like hot looking blonde and that was pretty much about it and yeah. there's a couple other things but God it's been a while man it's been a while yeah and it's actually also going to the clever like um, parts of the song they they have. Was it the Phrygian dominant yeah, um, scale? Right, man. Yeah, I think just learned that, and that, that kind of matches the tone of like Chrome, where it's Middle Eastern. Basically. Yeah, yeah. So clever. Yeah, these guys clever. are really clever, man. Yeah. And that's the thing. These first five tracks, man, it kind of feels like these guys are like taking different sources of inspiration, paying homage to it correctly, but it's all working in the same universe together. It's all well. Then Hellfire comes on, and I think this is where they wanted to get a bit ambitious and a bit more crazier because this song does sound like a black and death metal song in a sense. Um, the, the start actually does sound like fire. Those guitars sound like crackly um, and yeah, they sound like a bit warming, but it also a bit foreboding as well. Uh, it's dark. This song's quite evil. Um, some sinister things. It even sounds like Negral. Like literally this sounds like a staple for a black and death metal song. Something from, um, I wouldn't say fire as to say the Satanist album, but it does feel like this is where the album even the production values sound far more less product produced, far more grainier. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting, isn't it? Isn't this and this has got like this industrial metal feel? It even feels mm. like a Samal song at times. Well, I guess that would do the next track more so. Now it's more yeah. the next track more so, but yeah. yeah. But this track is interesting because he only he doesn't sing over like the guitar riffs or over like the actual instrumental. He sings over like only in the chorus where it's like the industrial sound. Yeah. So it's kind of like that whole. 
uh, at the end of was it like that right that Behemoth song with that oh brother yeah. oh Satan it's like that type yeah. of feel so he's just like doing staccato type singing over just like yeah not saying it's bad but literally the production values have changed a lot and then track seven comes and this song is unapologetically a Ninja Astral Metal song it feels like the album's stepping back now from the tone set at the start and it's gone far more sinister and darker in tone in the sense that now it feels like an industrial black metal song. Yeah, it really does. You know, this song sounds like that Samal band we reviewed. Uh, all those like tropes where, like you said, it's chanty now. Um, you've got those keys, which are very much like a choir almost. Um, the drums now have changed in their tone. They are no longer like Tommy and like sound like a kit. It sounds like now um, a Korg. Uh, a very good sounding call, but uh, you know, like that sound nonetheless. Yeah, but it's also, again, it's kind of like track two where the first half is different to the second that's half it. of the song. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Which is, oh, like the first half, again, it's going back to their thrashy type style, etc. Then it has like a bit of a solo and then it, goes, it literally goes into like a smell type industrial heavy on like the um, synth type sound. So it's quite, again, two different songs put into one. So yeah, the thing we find, track one to five, yeah, track six and seven. Yeah, they work together too. Then we got track eight, which is an instrumental, and it really—if they really wanted this on the album—it feels like an opener or an ender. This song is to set up at the end of track seven to go into the last track, track nine, which again, the track nine has this thing with going into two sections again as well. Is a little weird. I'm not saying it's a bad track necessarily because the idea and the way it builds is fantastic. It's very soft and subtle. Then it really kind of feels like this uh, musical score where it's, it's an uprising or it's this change. Um, but Danny, does it really belong here on track eight? Yeah, you're correct. It, you're right. It makes more sense to like an intro song, but have a six minute instrumental wouldn't work as an intro. Mm. But at the same time, like, you know, tracks five and six have long intros, and then track nine has like a long outro. So, like, do you actually need an instrumental when you have so much like open air? in your album so i just don't really know why it's really there it, it should have been placed as the last song just as a like a here's a like a kind of a bonus track thing like we like the song yeah, we don't know where to but, put but it but to tie the album off like the, if you had it at the start it would have been great to to get into the sec the, the the intro but then again maybe they wanted to start on a strong note but at the end it would have made sense because it's closure you know especially coming out of the last song i maybe i don't know maybe we'll change it off because the last track track nine uh, uh excruciating is an interesting track because again it's a tie into the first five tracks again. It's far more the thrash, deathy metal, groovy kind of thing that they really set up at the start. But then at halfway through, like you said, Danny, it then cuts off. The ending's a bit weird, and it goes into that whole chanty thing. There's like far more softer. It's uh, it's pretty much the uh, end of the album right now, and it's kind of like they're pretty much gone. Okay, hope you liked the first eight tracks. <laughs> yeah, but again, this is weird because like it, it, it's really good like that. That riff into like the pre-chorus, yeah. of course, is very good. Like some tempo change, very group, yeah, very group. Lombardo kind of inspired kind of thing. I feel like cool. yeah, it's top stuff. Yeah, and then the solo is quite a good solo as yeah. well. And then after solo, it kind of has like a weird drop out into like the industrial section, and then which is very like stripped back. I think a bit of didgeridoo in there, which is quite nice. Thank you for that. Yeah. And then it goes weird because then it's all like Twin Peaks staticky again, and then it gets into like. You know, when Anonymous, they do like their um, talking over like TV static. It, yeah. get, it gets like that and there's like some talking over like TV static about like the two-headed dragon from Brazil and whatever it is. Yeah, whatever. It's yeah. like, oh, that's kind of cool, whatever. Uh, but yeah, it's, that's the end of the album now. Nine tracks. Feels nice and short, uh, but I think for these kind of albums, you kind of want it to be. You don't want it to be any frills. And these guys, this album is very interesting to review because I really feel like it's an album that I really like just with some minor blemishes on it, I think, Danny. Uh, I think this is an album I like. Yeah. But 
I wouldn't say really like. Yeah, okay, let's yeah. go through it together. So maybe I can come to your same conclusion or maybe you can meet me at my Super Middle Brother party over here, which is awesome. <laughs> uh, simple yet catchy is definitely what I'm getting from. The, each of these riffs generally are headbangers. Like, I, I saw you, man. You can't deny that sometimes you will just start doing it, whether it be the intro or the middle or the end. It's like there's a part of the song that you will like and some, most of, for most of these songs, like from track one to track five and six, and even the first half of track nine is like, damn, this is metal. This is like a metal album. Like I can see most metal heads listening to it and going, yeah. And just naturally their psychosis, like the album says, won't let them do anything else. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's true. I do agree with that. What you're saying. Okay, there, I agree with that. Yep. Yeah. Um, it's engaging for that reason. And it's simple, but strong. Like the rhythmically, I find that even though the drummer isn't like top tier, uh, ridiculously technical, these guys pay homage to the songs really well and they are stripping it right back and only what's in it, it needs to be in it and anything else is cut away with a bit of pepper and salt on the top to garnish with some like, you know, some atmospheric elements or industrial elements or some like uses of different uh, vocal techniques. Most of though is dark and angry and it's aggression. Though. Yeah. Okay. But there is a lot of, you're right, the effects is pretty big like his guitar effects and vocal effects. They do use a lot of that white noises, industrial effects. So yeah. you're right, they, they do try to Add another element. Yeah. The variation in the riffs is there from death metal to black metal to um, new metal to thrash, you know, whatever. It's, it's, I feel like even Gothenburg at times, you know, for like the, like the first track with Insane, it really does feel like that pedally kind of thing. So the sources of inspiration on this album seem very diverse as well with, like, again, tracks that sound completely different to each other, but some, most of them sound very much the same. And that could be a hindrance as well, um, maybe too jarring. But I feel like at least it's a heavy album and it's a dark album, but one that can be accessible to a bigger audience. Yeah, that's, that's all acceptable. <laughs> um, the problem is on the album, I'm starting to go into like, the things I didn't like. And some of those endings, man, they're just like, for all the build the song does, it stops very janky. It's kind of like, it just ends. And I would like a little bit more like what Old Man's Child do. with They build up, the ending becomes a part of a song where it builds and builds and builds. And then when it stops, you go, whoa, like, you know, you want that ride as well. And they do the whole ride through the whole song. But then when they do do a janky ending, like you said, they, they've got the ending to the song which will build into the next song really well. So the, 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 the connecting the parts is great. It's just that some of the parts when they're already connected are a bit like, just don't look very polished. Yeah, that's, that's true. I mean, it makes it also tricky when you do it live. You really have to change ending to songs because... Yeah, well, I reckon they, yeah. they would be a better service playing these all these songs live together in, in a row, at least the first half of the album because if they don't, like you said, having it weird, end that weirdly and no context to add to another song without any of that effects in that, I'd be a little bit like, ah, oh, that doesn't make much sense. Like, you know, just a bit of nitpicking, I guess. Um, I think yeah, the atmosphere is good. I think it's a fun album. I think it's cool. But... There are just a couple of things like the, the transition from track one to five is, and six is good. But then when they go to that track six, seven, and eight, it's just, I know that we want to do something different and try something different, but it sounds really strange. Is it too, is it too jarring or is it just, what, what do you think about it? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's tricky. Like saying in, in, in some songs, like in track two and seven, etc., and nine, where there are two songs in one, it's, it does change the flow of the song quite a lot and it becomes more like a progressive type song because it's just so different you can't really call it the same song mm. but you're right when they do doing the other songs they do do it well going from like like in Sagata riffing to like groovy riffs to like adding a solo then a bit of a strip back section so that's, that they're quite done quite well so maybe they just want to experiment a bit and see how it goes but unfortunately sometimes 
it doesn't work because you, it, it gets you taken out of that immersive feel. Yeah, and that was the thing. It was like, they're not bad songs. Like, that's the thing. Like, these guys have a good sense of rhythm, a good sense of tonality, uh, of what a metal song needs in order to sound great. And I think that should be attributed to first and foremost. I generally find them very simple songs in that sense, but there is technicality to them to it as well. I find simple doesn't mean easy. It just means it's stripped back. It's engaging for listeners. I think most people that are out there who like Machine Head or um, Slipknot or um, that, I think it revires in that commercial sound to agree, but there are some darker elements which bring it into more obviously straight up metal. I think it's a strong release, man. I really do. I think Braden did a, well, a good well to, to give a shout out. I did really enjoy the album, but like you said, Danny, is it a great album? Or maybe I would have to agree with that too. I'm not sure about that either. It could take a couple more listens to getting used to it. Yeah, uh, yeah it's just uh, look, it could be a stylistic thing with me. Again, this style is not really my preferred style, so it's yeah. always going to be hard for me to really love this type of stuff. Um, but then again, I, I, things like Obituary, I really like that album. That's pretty much a thrash album. Yeah. So there's things and the production values that can be parallel to each other there, Danny. Yeah. So it, it's just that, I don't know, sometimes, at least with Obituary, the, the songs were short, sharp, and shiny, and they stuck to this simpleness, and they kept the, a groove, strong groove going throughout the whole song. These guys said sometimes you say they do too much or they don't hold on to grooves long enough and maybe a bit too experimental. Uh, yeah, but I, w- I would say it's confined and it's in towards the end, back end of the album. So if you maybe it's foreshadowing to where they want to go next album, who knows? Or maybe they just got bored of writing the same six, a similar feel for track one to five or whatever. But it's enjoyable. And what's on this album, I think generally people are going to love. And um, I think I feel like being a bit harsh on it. But at the end of the day, I think it's a, I think it's a solid release from the brothers. And for those people who really want to hear the Cavaliers at a higher point, I would say this is the album you've been waiting for in that sense. I think this is an album you need to buy. And if you've been off the Sepultura camp for a while, and we did hear some, when Braden came over and played us some of that old school Sepultura, this is definitely more of a return to that. And I think the fans should be excited for that. But support it by the album and hopefully they'll get more of this for themselves. Yeah, you're probably right. And I think you're correct. The fans probably love this album and I've been hearing good things from from, uh, the brothers fans of the brothers so yeah. yeah so go and buy it don't don't just judge it by me this is getting uh taste and going by the brothers here's some famous words from the cavalier conspiracy it is a insane mankind be revealed master destroyer redeemer immortal thou will be done messiah deceiver ritual killer Amen. <laughs> it feels like that was a prayer and I guess that is that's the thing well phrased good stuff Go buy it, check out the album, I think. Go check it out. Even if you're going to buy it, feel free to check out the album. I think it's a, I think it's a solid release and uh, one from the Brazilians I should be proud of. I hope they're Brazilian. Yeah, they are. And with that, we're at the end of the show. Thank you guys for listening this week. We've been a cracker. We are getting close to the end of the year now and summer is hit Adelaide and it is disgusting. Uh, we're talking anywhere from 36 degree heat to 22 hail and rainstorms. Um, thanks, Melbourne, for your weather. We really appreciate it. Normally we give you our shitty weather, but uh, I think you're giving it back like a good Christmas present too that you are. But with that, I am Super Metal Brother Matt. I've been Super Metal Brother Dan. Thank you guys for listening and we'll catch you all next week.